affects the corner shop, how it affects the mechanic, how it affects all just the normal business that goes on in those country towns. And so by partnering with the local schools and the local church, we've been able to not only bless them last weekend, but also leave them with some packs to continue to bless the communities out there. So well done, church, for being a church that goes and also a church that gives in that regards. So far this year, we have given $87,967.41 towards all of our Count Me In giving. And that's enabled us to do all those things locally and overseas. There are still, how many weeks to Christmas? Six weeks to Christmas? Seven weeks to the end of the year, but who's counting? And we still have these things to do. Our Christmas Day lunch for our community will be on here on the 25th of December. That costs $2,500 to put on. We still have in India, we want to give them some money. There's a church that we know that are building a church in a slum area, ministering to the children, and we want to contribute to their $20,000 goal to build a new church building, and we want to give something to them. We want to contribute to Liberty People, which is Steve and Helen Blake, who continue to do great work around the world, and we partner with them in Vanuatu. And we also would like to continue to pay off our building, which is $15,000 or well, 7500 a month. So that's a, a goal between now and the end of the year. So we're, we're coming towards the end of the year, but we're not finished. And our target for 2018 is $125,000. So as you can see, we still have a little bit to go. And right now, in a moment, if you need a pen, put your hand up. But there's Count Me In giving forms on your seat. On those Count Me In forms, there is financial details of our bank account and how you can give. The best thing you can do, if you haven't already done, if you've already done it, fantastic, thank you. You may want to give more. But if this is your church home, we invite you to partner in the Count Me In giving so that we can continue to do all of those things again and more in 2019, but also to finish off the things that we want to do for this year. So we're going to receive an offering. The account details are there. One of the best things you can do, though, is to give monthly. Giving monthly allows us to continue to just keep going month by month, sowing into all the different programs and partnerships that we have as a church. And you can set that up with a direct debit. We can take it out of your credit card. There's heaps of options, but they're all on your Count Me In giving form. And so we're going to send the buckets around soon. And if you are ready to give, we're going to give towards our Count Me In. If you're not ready to give in this moment... Take the Count Me In form, grab a pen and hand it in at the info desk at the end of the service or even bring it back next week because this is our last chance as a church to give towards our Count Me In giving and do all those things. You know, I look at the list and I think, wow, we've done quite a lot, haven't we? We've done stuff locally, we've done stuff overseas, but I just know that we want to finish and get as close to, if not beyond, that target that we set for the year. So if you would like to give, you can do that now. So I'm going to pray, and then the host, the service team are going to receive that giving, and that would be great. God, we thank you that you have given us so much. We thank you that we live in a blessed country and that we have everything that we have. Even that song we just sung, we came here with nothing, but everything that we have is from you. And so out of that abundance and out of that provision that you have poured into our life, we choose this morning to give and to sow in. We thank you, God, for the opportunities we have to partner with people around the world to see good, to see kindness, and to see your gospel and love spread. So we pray this morning that as we give, as we give our Count Me In offering, 
that this offering would count in the kingdom. It would make an incredible difference, not only for here in Maitland, but beyond our borders. And we thank you, Jesus, that you are with us and you enable us to give. In your name, amen. Thank you, host. You can send around those buckets about 10 times if you need to. No, just the once will be fine. And uh, that would be great. So thank you to everyone that has given and enabled us to do all of those amazing things this year. Okay, we are going to move on with the rest of our service, with the rest of today. With my time today, I get the, um, the privilege to share what I believe is ahead for us as a church. And that song we just sung, I think, is a prophetic declaration over us and over our community. And I want us to buy into that today. Not buy in, but to engage in. The Passion Translation in Philippians 3 says... These words about pressing forward to what lies ahead. And I love the way the Passion Translation puts it. Verse 13 says this, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. And I really believe that that verse is what today is about. What this next 25 minutes is about is about fastening our heart to the future and what God has ahead of us. For some of you in your life, you are quite happy to forget the past. The past year, the past two years, the past five years, you're quite happy to move on from what has been. You just sometimes wish you knew how. Sometimes you're just wondering, how do I move on beyond what has been? How do I break out of this thing, this pattern, this event, whatever it was? And we just go, how do we move forward? For others, we're looking back at the past and going, actually, I don't really want to move on. It's good. I'm comfortable. I'm happy. I'm settled. But I actually believe that wherever you are at, I believe that none of us, whether it's good or bad right now, but none of us are called to settle where we are right now. None of us are called to stay in the same spot for the rest of our life. And if things are really good, that can be hard to hear because you're like, no, this is good. I don't want to move on from this. But if it's really bad, it can be great. Let's move on as quick as we can. But the reality is all of us are called to be people that move forward. All of us are called to be people that don't settle, that don't stay where we are at. Psalm 84 verse 5 to 7, I love this verse and I want to read it to you again from the Passion Translation, says this, how enriched are they who find their strength in the Lord? You are rich this morning if you find your strength in God. Within their hearts are the highways of holiness. Even when their paths wind through the dark valleys of tears, listen to this, they dig deep to find a pleasant pool where others find only pain. You know, anyone that's been through pain or anyone that's been through turmoil, they can relate to having to dig deep and find treasures from within that God has given them to be able to carry on and move forward. He gives to them a brook of blessing filled from the rain of an outpouring. They, this verse 7, they go stronger and stronger with every step forward. And the God of all gods will appear before them in Zion. Those few words, they grow stronger and stronger with every step forward. Not backwards, not standing still, but every step forward. We are called, we will be a church that responds to the call to move forward, to never settle. We are called to move forward. Following Jesus is never, ever, ever about settling and becoming comfortable or becoming stuck in our ways. We are committed to progress. And God is more committed to our progress than we are ourselves. 
God is so committed to our progress that he promises to complete every work that he starts within us. Who here, any men, can relate to starting projects around the home? Anyone done that? Yes? Who's good at completing those projects? I said, you know, I've said it before, if you've asked me once, you don't need to remind me every six months to do it. I will do it at some stage. But God says to you and I that he will complete the work that he started within you. He won't leave you the same. He will complete and he will transform and he will renew you and make you into the person he has for you. God has a plan and a purpose for our life. But to do that, in order to see that happen, sometimes, actually all of the time, he has to change some things. Let's look at the example quickly this morning of Abraham and Sarah. Genesis chapter 17, we'll go there quickly this morning. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abram fell down on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. Genesis verse 17, verse 15, a few verses later, says this. God said to Abraham, regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give, her, give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. How many know this is a big change in someone's life? Who remembers when you had kid, your first child? Anyone remember that? Life changes. The SS Ute got sold and was replaced with a more practical family vehicle because changes needed to happen for what was about to come. The big change in their life. Abraham is 99 and Sarah is 90 and God says you're about to have a child. That is a big change. That is a big deal to have to consider right there. But the thing I love about this, that before God brings about this change in their life, before he changes their circumstances, before he changes their world, he changes their name. The name change precedes the change in their life. Before God brings it about, he changes Abraham to Abraham and Sarai to Sarah. Have a look at this chart on the screen if you like. It tells you what they mean. Abraham means exalted father, even though he's got no children. And God says, no, I'm going to call you father of many. And you know this, Sarah means princess, and Sarah means princess of many, or mother of many. Even though nothing has changed in their world, God changes their name, and that name change prepares them for the change that is in their future. And I don't know about you, church, but I believe God does have a great future for you and I, as followers of Christ, but also this community that we call church. And for that, I believe a name change, and we've been talking about it, is part of our future. Today I'm going to announce our name change, but after this commercial break. I feel a little bit like Eddie Maguire today, because I'm not going to tell you for about 10 more minutes. So guess what? Kids already know. We told the kids first, because they're out there, and we were like, you know what? We want them to know as well, because we're taking them on this journey. So if you had been to kids' church this morning, you would have already found out. But I'll tell you in a few minutes' time after this next commercial break. 
because I want you to get where we're going. I want you to read some more scriptures this morning, and I want to uh, make you suffer. No, I don't. (laughs) Paul writes this letter to the church in Corinth, and some of the people in the church are comparing Paul and Apollos, saying, you know, I like Paul's teaching. No, I like Apollos' teaching. No, I follow him. No, I'm a disciple of him. And, and they write this letter, and Paul writes the letter, and he says this, What then is Apollos, and what is Paul? We're just servants through whom you believed. Even as the Lord appointed to each his task, I planted, but Apollos watered. But God, all the while, was causing the growth. So neither is the one who plants, nor the one who waters anything, but only God who causes the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, in importance and esteem, working toward the same purpose. But each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, his servants working together. You are God's cultivated field, his garden, his vineyard, God's building. Grant and Megs planted this church 13 years ago. And I don't know about you, but I am grateful that they did. Meeting in the Seven Day Adventist building in East Maitland under the title of Macquarie CLC Maitland. That's how this church began. And it takes something special to plant. It takes something special to pioneer. And I will honour, always honour, and I believe we should always honour Grant and Megs as the founding pastors of this church. We had dinner with Grant and Megs last week and they are cheering us on. We are cheering them on and they are cheering us on. It's not about Lottie, it's not about Grant, it's not about Megs, it's not about any name. It's about what is God doing here. And 13 years ago, that church, this church was planted. But my assignment was not to plant this church. My assignment is to water what has been planted. My assignment is to build on the foundation that has been laid. And our assignment, church, together is to grow stronger and stronger with every step forward. Our assignment this morning is to fasten our hearts to the future and to be his servants willing to work together for what God has for us. We work together because that's what Jesus called us to do. Matthew 18, 20 says this, Where two or three gather together as my followers or in my name, I am there among them. And in Hebrews, we're given this great instruction which says, Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. We're getting closer, but we're not quite there yet. Together is not just a cool hashtag for our social media. It's a fundamental belief that we are better together, that by meeting together, we encourage one another. We encourage one another and we inspire each other on. You know, this meeting together that we're doing right now, this can look different to how it does. In fact, I've actually got this fundamental belief that if we're going to do what we're called to do, if we're going to see all people come to know the love of Christ, then we have to be prepared to think outside of the box and think a little bit differently. Two weeks ago, I quoted Craig Rochelle who says this, to reach people no one is reaching, we're going to have to do some things that no one is doing. And the way we gather and the way we meet together right now, this works for most of us. You wouldn't be in this room this morning if this gathering that we call church, if it didn't work for you, then you wouldn't be here. There's something in you that says, no, I want to go together. I want to worship. I want to, you know, be in church. I I I believe in it. 
And that's great. For most of you, this works. And I encourage that. But my question is this. What about the people not in this room? What is going to work for them knowing the love of Jesus Christ? Will doing more of the same thing over and over again, will that reach them? Will they engage in the love of Christ by us doing this more and more and better and better? Maybe a few. But I think we've got to get outside the box and think, what could we do to engage those not currently being engaged? What could we do to reach the ones that aren't currently being reached? I think if we're going to get serious about all knowing the love of Christ, then we have to be prepared to try some different things. I feel that God gave me this statement. It's this statement is one church, many expressions. I haven't copied this from somewhere, and I don't think I developed it myself. It's just something that I feel I received. One church, many expressions, because I actually believe that's what we are called to be. One church with many expressions. Many expressions can include meeting in different places outside the walls of our building. These many expressions can include meeting on different days at different times. And I don't just mean replicating what we did this morning in a different venue at a different time. That, that's cool. We could do that. But I'm talking about doing things completely different to engage and reach those who aren't being engaged right now by what we're doing. The people that aren't waking up on Sunday morning thinking, what church will I go to today? What can we do as a church community to reach out with them so that they can know the love and the truth and the, the acceptance that we find in Christ? One church, many expressions, doesn't mean we throw out what we're doing right now. It doesn't mean that we stop gathering at 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning. We will continue to do this because there is value in what we're doing this morning. There is an encouragement. There is a community. There is something about worshipping God together, listening to the Word of God, hanging out together. There's something good in that. I'm not saying we're getting rid of this. This is staying We will always try to be innovative in engaging people in what we do. But I also saying we want to add. We want to multiply. We want to have more than just one expression of what we call church. And so really that's what we're saying. That's our future. We are going to start to try some stuff in different ways at different times at different places that look nothing like what we just did in this hour this morning. Why? Because there's people that aren't receiving or aren't engaging in the love of Christ. And I don't think they will by us continuing to do the same thing that we've always done. We will be a church. One church, many expressions. That is the heart. That's the thing that God has laid on my heart. To try and do things that have not been done before. And all of that brings me to tell you what our new name will be. The new name that we will begin to operate under, not from today, from February 3rd, 2019. Ten weeks away. We've got ten weeks to prepare ourselves for this. But our new name will be Together. Because together is our call. That together as one, together with Christ, together with each other, we can try and reach people that are not together. That haven't, you know, our growth program is going to be get your stuff together, but no, we won't call it that. But really, we believe that this fundamental word of what God calls us to do, where two or three gather together, there he is amongst them. And we want to explore what together could look like. 
There are three key words underneath there. Church, community and collective. And I want to speak to those words in the remaining time I have this morning. Because each of those words are a different expression of what we're called to do. Each of those words are significant. The first word, church. What do you think of when I say the word church? Nothing, okay. Okay, well that was a bit high then. Matthew 16 says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, another name change, by the way, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbid in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Peter had just told Jesus that he is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responds by saying, On that basis of what you just said, Peter, on that rock of truth, on that revelation, that understanding, I will build my church upon that revelation. Jesus acknowledged that what Peter had just said was a fundamental truth, a foundational truth, and it was unchangeable. And based on that rock of truth, Jesus promises to build his church. But the Greek word that Jesus used there for church is the word ecclesia, which means a gathering of people called out for a purpose. The word ecclesia was not a religious term. The word church back then was not a a religious term. It was a term that people understood for when citizens gathered together for civic or military purposes. So it was a gathering of people together for a common purpose or a common goal. So when Jesus used that word, the disciples didn't hear him saying temple. They didn't hear him saying building. They didn't hear him saying denomination. They didn't hear him saying real life church or Hillsong church or planet shakers. They heard him saying something like this. I'm going to build my own gathering of people called out for a specific purpose and all the powers of hell will not be able to conquer this gathering of my people. That's the word that he used and that's the word he spoke that day. And that's who we are, church. We are a continuation of that gathering of people called out, united by mission that God has given us. Community. Community is a core value of who we are. And when I talk about community, we can talk about the community that we experience on a Sunday morning. The the togetherness, the encouraging one another the worshipping together, the listening to the word together. And that's great and it's a big part of what we believe community is. But the community in our name is also talking about something more. The community in our name is firstly talking about your individual assignment in the community God has placed you. What is your assignment for wherever God has placed you? What is the thing God has put in your heart, in your school, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, wherever God places you, you have an individual assignment there. On Monday night, we had Wes who was doing the business greenhouse workshop and he was talking about each person on the planet has an assignment from God, an assignment, something that they are called to do, something that they are called to be and and belong in. And you know the most basic of that, the most fundamental of that, is love your neighbour as yourself. 
It doesn't need to be this big fancy thing. But the other thing is in that individual assignment, it's being a position of influence. Be the places where God has called you to be. You know, I think as a church, as a whole, we've got it wrong where we've said, leave your community, leave your thing, come and serve in the church. And that's good. We need people in the church. I'm not saying do that. But we've left places of influence and we've left places of, um, where community gather. And then we wonder why the decisions are being made that we don't agree with. So it needs you and I. It needs people in this room to be the heads of business of commerce, of chambers of commerce. It needs you to be the head of your local soccer club. It needs you to be part of the Bush Fire Brigade. It needs you to be in a place where decisions are made and influence can happen. Not everyone coming into the church and abandoning their community, but going, no, where is my community already? Where can I have a place of influence? Not to tell them how it's done, because I know better, but just to be in a spot where I can love my neighbor as myself and influence them with the love of God. All of us have that individual assignment. We already have places where we walk, where we work, where we um, hang out with people. And it's realizing that that assignment is just as important as any other assignment in our life. When I say the word community, I want you to get that it's not just about what we do here, but it's what you do every day of the week. Every day of the week, you have an opportunity to express the love of God in your community. The second aspect of the word community is the stuff that we do together. When we do community together, the positive impact we can have. You know, the most obvious one is our building and calling it a community center and having this place as a spot where our community feels safe and feel valued and feel that they can have life and value added to who they are as human beings in this building. And we want to just, I believe we've only just scratched the surface of what we could actually do with this facility for our community. There is so much more that we could do where we could see this building open 24-7 to be a place of blessing for our community. Not just a church building that they don't know what goes on inside here, but a place where they come regularly because it's a part of their life. And that's a huge part of it. But there's also the community engagement that's outside of this building. Even if it is a community centre, there's so many more things we can do using our people power to bless and partner with our local community. And that takes me to the last word, which is collective Definition of collective is this, a group of entities that share or are motivated by at least one common issue or interest. They work together to achieve a common objective. To me, this speaks of the partnerships that we have, where we work together with others for a common purpose. They can be faith-based partnerships. The most obvious ones are things like Gangala, Liberty People, Compassion, other churches. But they can also be community-based partnerships like our councils, like our council, our local schools, the land, Aboriginal Land Council, the community centres, the different things that already exist in our community, partnering with them. They can be local, they can be interstate, they can be overseas. They help us to think bigger about the influence we can have. And they also, they influence us and they inspire us. They give us an opportunity to go, you know what, we don't have to reinvent everything. We don't have to come up with all the programs. We don't have to come up with all the initiatives, but we can find initiatives and programs that resonate within our heart and go, let's partner with these people rather than trying to reinvent. We can say, hey, you've got this great program running. Why don't you use this facility, this community center to do that? We don't need to tell you how to do your program, but we could use the building, and that's called partnership and working together. 
And that's why the word collective is in our name. Because I understand that these expressions are more than just what we know right now. The expressions that could come out of us as a church, the expressions that could come out of you and your heart, we don't know what they look like yet. There is so much room for God to do a new thing in that space if we would allow him in and say, you know what, one church with many expressions, who knows what God could do? Who knows what God might speak to you or what your involvement might be in all of that? But I really believe that for us, this community, us, this gathering of people together, yes, it's a church. We're not going to hide the fact that we're a church, but we're so much more than that. We're part of this community. And the word collective speaks about that bigger beyond, beyond just what we do here in Maitland. But saying, no, we want to partner with people worldwide to see people know the love of Jesus Christ. Over the next 10 weeks, we will continue to share what lies ahead. We have a new name and we're starting to work towards all the things that need to change to go towards that. The websites that need to be built, the design process, the renovations, all the different stuff. The only thing we've engaged so far is the graphic designer to come up with our logo and when we set our name, but all the rest of it lies ahead. The next 10 weeks is an opportunity for us to be involved and see what we could do in this place. There's no secrets. If anyone has any question at any time, you can come and ask. There's nothing to hide, absolutely. We have kept the name a little bit secret up until this point, but now it's out there. We've got 10 weeks to transition towards this new thing that God wants to do. And there will be opportunities in the coming weeks. But right now, in this place, I want us to come back to the verse we read at the start of today. Philippians 3, verse 13. Forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I actually believe that each of us need to allow God to do that in our heart. God, I want you to fasten to my heart what you have in store for the future. Now is not the moment to be thinking, I'm not sure if I like the name or not. Don't know if I like the logo. Would have used this, would have done that. Now's not the time for that. Now's the time to say, God, do a work in my heart. God, you are doing a new thing. God, engage my heart and my spirit with where you see me fitting in this new season. You know, we're going to sing that song, New Wine, again, and I want the team to come as we prepare to sing that song. But do you listen to the words that we sung before? It's actually quite a dangerous song to sing. It's quite a powerful song to sing, to surrender, to say, God, it's not my will, but your will be done. And we said things like, in the crushing, in the pressing, in the breaking, Who enjoys any of that? It's not usually fun. But that's where the new wine comes. The words that jump out to me the most in this song are these words. I lay down my old flames to carry your new fire today. I lay down my old to carry the new. And I don't believe you can grasp the new while you're still holding on to the old. And I wonder this morning what mindsets, what ways of thinking, what ways of doing things, what thought process, what beliefs, 
I wonder what of the old God is saying, you know what? It's time to lay down that now. They're they're not bad things. It's saying, I'll lay down my old flames. The old flames were great. The old flames got you to where you are today. But it's saying, what of the old do you need to surrender and lay down so that you can embrace the new? So that you can grab on to the new, so that you can allow God to fasten in your heart and your spirit the new thing He wants to do. Church, I want us to stand this morning and we're going to sing this song again. And I really believe that in this song, it's a place of surrender that God wants you to bring you to. I'm not just talking about us as a church, like our new name and our new vision. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about your relationships. I'm talking about your walk with God. What of the old are you holding on to? And God is saying, no, I want to do a new thing, but you need to let go of the old. My final verse for this morning, Isaiah 43. This is what God says. The God who builds a road right through the ocean, who carves a path through the pounding waves, the God who summons horses and chariots and armies. They lay down and can't get up. They're stuffed out like so many candles. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history, but be alert, be present. I am about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert. Rivers in the badlands. Church, let's embrace the new. Let's step into the new and say, God, we want a new fire. We want a new heart. We want new wine. God, we celebrate what's brought us to this point, but we're going to stand on that foundation and we're going to move forward as you engage our heart and our spirit. We're hungry for the new wine that only He can bring. So church, let's sing this song. Let's declare it and let's surrender our lives afresh to what God wants to do in our lives. Let's sing. Let's sing.